Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. This whole idea of uh, that most of us have been raised to um, to be ordinary, uh, and 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 being ordinary isn't so bad. I mean, ordinary to me, it 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 it's the problem with being being raised to be ordinary is that you're just ordinary, you know, as you go through your whole life, sort of average, which means that you uh, fill out the forms and you uh, you, you obey the rules and uh, you go to school and uh, you get good grades and you have a family and you raise your family and uh, you get a job and you stay at that job and until you retire and then you die. Um, and that's sort of like going through life um, with sort of a life that's almost been programmed for you um, by your culture, by your society, by your parents, by your business, by your education system, and so on. And we have a tendency to just go through life thinking that that's really all there is. Um, but this this program and this, this book I'm writing and, uh, and uh, all of it is really about being extraordinary. And extraordinary doesn't mean that you go past ordinary because um, if, you're, if you're living at an extraordinary level of consciousness, a very high level of consciousness, you're still there's still a lot of ordinariness in there. You know, there's still a lot of rules to obey that are that you must obey, and there's still a lot of forms to fill out, and a lot of the things that everybody has to do uh, when you live in a, in the physical world. But there's also uh, the the calling of the of, of being extraordinary is the calling of the soul, and your soul, that individ that uh, that invisible place within yourself. Um, it doesn't really want to win. It doesn't want to be better than anybody else. It doesn't want to have a good job. It doesn't want to uh, pay the bills. That isn't what it wants. It wants to expand. It wants to grow. It wa- it's, um, it's, 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 it's more obsessed with or connected to or thinking about uh, the infinite because it is infinite. It, it has no beginnings. It has no ends. And its, um, uh, it's desire is um, an all and it, it it resists being circumscribed. It resists uh, being fenced in. It resists being told what to do. It resists having to to uh, be just like everybody else. It uh, that's the soul of ours. Just it just wants to just be free. It really it wants to be free to be able to explore, and expand, and and to know that the words of Jesus in the New Testament are really true. That. Uh, um, that even the least among you can do all that I have done and even greater things. We are all miracle workers, and we have within us this sort of this divine capacity. And none, none of us, when we're children and going through all of the all of the hoops that we jump through in our life, are ever really reminded about our divinity and about uh, and about the our, our infinite nature, and that uh, that all things truly are possible, and that. Uh, and that involves really, um, it involves changing your subconscious mind around from uh, from all of the things that has been programmed to do uh, to uh, to begin to suggest to your subconscious mind to this invisible part of you that uh, that you can heal yourself, that you can attract the right people into your life, that you can have abundance in your life, that you can have divine love show up in your life uh, in a very positive and big way. Um, but in order to accomplish something, you must first expect it of yourself. And it's one of the reasons why so so many people are stuck at ordinary, stuck at average, 
is because they don't have expectations for themselves to go beyond that, to, to live at an extraordinary level. And when we did the public television show, uh, my friend Anita Murjani from Hong Kong, we flew her over there to have her be a part of the show. And, uh, and you talk about extraordinary beings and extraordinary consciousness and someone who has, you know, been at the, at, at the doorway of death and, and come back uh, to tell us that we need to just treasure our magnificence and, uh, and live in a, in a space of love. And for the last, uh, the last few weeks, I've been just immersed in that, in that divine place of love. And uh, when you're in that, so many miraculous things uh, happen. I'll just tell you one last story before we take calls, and that is um, I, uh, I was really fighting with my, uh, not fighting, that's not the way, we, we, we had a little uh, difference of opinion about uh, what I should be wearing doing this show, <laughs> which we oh, always do. <laughs> I think I heard a little bit about this. <laughs> yeah, right. No, this is and, uh And I was going to, um, you know, I just wanted, I, I, live, I live on an island, and I, and I rarely ever have shoes on uh and when i do have shoes on they're just sandals uh and to tie my feet up and uh you know put socks on and, and that's 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 part of being uh you know contained if you will fenced in my feet i guess just want to expand and be free i don't know uh, but at any rate i had just insisted that i was going to uh wear no shoes um and wear sandals on the show. And my producer, uh, Nikki Patel, she just said, no, I think you should wear, you should wear those. It's not going to look right. And um, I just, I had all kinds of things, thoughts about it. And, uh, and finally, I just, I just gave in and I just let go. And uh, in the morning I said, Wayne, this is just more about your ego than anything else. So I decided uh, that I was going to go over and buy a pair of shoes and make Nikki very, very happy. Um, so um, I went over to the uh, a mall not too far away from there and uh, got these shoes. And um, it was really beautiful uh, because on the way back, uh, walking with the shoes, I, um, I encountered a, uh, a homeless man. And this homeless man, his name was Ken. He was 36 years old. He was from Boston. And he was very, very dirty. Um, smelled and uh, looked like he he looked like uh, it was morning it was about 11 o'clock in the morning and he had um, you know he just smelled of, of alcohol and looked like he was just really out of it in fact he was walking across the street and stumbling so bad that I stopped the traffic and took him and walked him over and he told me he hadn't eaten in two or three days so I walked him over to a restaurant that was right there in San Diego, and I sat him down and, and went in and, and got him soup and salad and, <clears throat> and a sandwich and, and so on. And, um, and actually was able to reach him. Um, before that, I was, all I was doing was talking to whatever drugs or alcohol was, uh, was taking place with, you know, in his body. Um, and I was put my arm around him, and, um, and I finally got him to talk, and I got him to actually smile. Uh, and make a huge difference in his life and uh, told him that, you know, that, and I told the woman who was getting him the sandwich and the soup and, and all of that because she didn't want to serve him. She said, he's caused, he's caused trouble around here before. And I just, all I said to her was that, um, you know, the same God that is in you um, uh, making these sandwiches is in him and in all of us. And I'd like you to just serve that, just serve, serve the God in him rather than serving his body. And she just, uh, she changed her whole opinion. She went out, he was sitting on a table outside and, 
she went out and asked him what kind of soup he'd like, what kind of salad, you know, what kind of sandwich would he like, and would he like to eat it there or whatever. It was just a, an act of kind of, and I, he actually smiled, and, and he was so sad and deep. His eyes were were just watering, and, uh, you know, he just so so unclean and so on. And, and when I left, um, and I really felt that I had touched him in a deep way, and I thought to myself about Nikki and, and my friend Mira, who had told me to get the shoes and get let your ego go. Yeah, she's... Uh, I um, I feel that that whole you know the, that everything happens for a reason and and having that conflict and I went over it for three or four days before I couldn't get off of this idea that who is anybody to tell me what I should be wearing on my own public television special and so on and when I suspended that and when I let go of all of that um, not only did I get the shoes what which I even I admit look the whole thing looks a whole lot better. But uh, I think about Ken, our 36-year-old friend from Boston, walking those streets, and uh, he wouldn't have been touched in that way. And and I, I somehow I had a feeling that he was going to leave there and, and get himself cleaned up um, uh, just by the smile. And I, I could see almost, I could see that spirit within him uh, just smiling a little bit, like maybe I don't have to be stuck here out in these streets and end up uh, as another casualty. Former military person who just had lost it. So that was wow. That's that was incredible. Yeah. So many people yeah. are in that position, though, especially military, and it's so sad. You know, San Diego is such right. a big military town. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not not surprised, unfortunately, to hear no. that he's in that position. No. In the month of July uh, this year, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, the, first, the this is a, 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 an all time horrible record. Thirty two American soldiers committed suicide. Un- uh, took their own lives. It's the first time it's ever been that number that high in one month. Um, so, you know, these wars that we're fighting and, uh, and, and, and so many of these soldiers are now on uh, uh, antidepressants or antipsychotics and uh, anti-anxiety drugs, <clears throat> and they're combining it with alcohol and so on, and uh, it turns them into, uh, you know, the whole thing, this whole war business is, uh, is horrific on, on everyone involved in it. So, but anyway, I think he was one of them that had been involved in it, so... Wow, it sounds like you really to... touched him uh, in a profound way. Yeah, and I, but it was it was the disagreement. It was like that whole that whole thing within myself that that uh, as, as I was walking back <clears throat> walking back from the uh, from from the little mall where I bought the shoes. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I encountered so many people uh, that were looking for help and were, were having their lives turned around. Because when you get in a state of love and you're living from that place of divine love and you're with people that you love. Um, uh, these magical things begin to happen, and uh, anyway, it was uh, it, it was joyful. So when you watch the PBS special in March, uh, check out my notice shoes. the shoes. <laughs> I, yes, I'll pop, I, I now great. have. By the way, I, when I was just in London, I had to went through the same thing because I didn't take any shoes over there, and I didn't know. And it got pretty cold out there. Whether whether I was going to go out there on sand, so I went and bought a pair of shoes. Never put them on. So this is my third <laughs> pair of shoes that I've worn. This one I've worn once. The others I haven't even worn yet, and I have another pair that I've maybe worn twice. But uh, that's great. I, I'm going to look for I, that when I see it. <laughs> when I see the special, because now I'll right. know the story. Well, the if story you want to find it, you can, uh, Reed was there and he tweeted uh, or twittered or whatever that is. However that works, <laughs> a, a picture of me rehearsing. 
And t- two of my daughters got it and sent me back a picture of, of myself and my shoes. And they said, Dad, you look skinny and you've got shoes on. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I lost my ego. I let go of it and I let uh, a spirit take over and, and maybe help the homeless man. Well, that's to, a great uh, lesson. It uh, really an alcoholic is. Drug. Yeah, yeah. That there's something. Let go of the even ego. In the, e- even, but even in the conflicts that we have in our life. Very often, if we uh, if we just suspend the the source of the conflict, let go, surrender, um, that somebody else is going to benefit from it as well. And lots and lots of stories like that. Mm, absolutely, it is a great lesson. Yeah. So we so have anyway. A, it's a great show. Let's go. Let's go to the phones. Yeah, we have about seven yeah. minutes, so we could probably uh, take sure. one or two. We have a full board here waiting to talk to you. So uh, let's start in Minneapolis, Minnesota, on line two. And I believe it is Aruna. I hope I said your name right. It's very pretty. Yeah. No, you did. Oh, oh my good. God. You took my call. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, doc- Dr. Dyer, um, I'm a huge fan. And um, I met you in Maui in October 2010. And you called me up on stage because I was pregnant and you thought I was too young and all that stuff. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you were only 14. Um, How old were you? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, 30. But <laughs> I know, but you look 14. You look so beautiful. I remember you. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you for remembering me. Mm. Um, Mm. Well, anyway, I I was calling because, um, well, my husband and me, we've been having some issues. He's he's a great provider, and he's always thinking of ways to do it better and all that. And part of that is that he likes to be prepared for absolutely anything. And to him, that means thinking of all the possible bad things that could happen, being prepared for it, and... A lot of the time, mm. it's all he can talk about, like, what if our baby becomes a drug addict when he grows up, or our house gets robbed, mm. or one of us dies, and it just really brings me down. And I realized that um, if I change the way I think about it, maybe, you know, this can be easier to deal with, because, you know, he's afraid to talk to me, because he doesn't want to bring me down, and I'm afraid to talk to him, because, you know. Um, right. Yeah, so... I was just hoping you it's, could help me with yeah. thinking I, about this. That's very, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, Arjun, is your name Arjuna or? It's Aruna. Aruna, Aruna. Aruna. Is, yeah, is that Indian? <laughs> Where is that from? Where it's uh, it's it's a uh, it's a Hindu name, um, and it Hindu, comes from okay. Karna. Yeah, it was a sun god's mm-hmm. character, but yeah. yeah. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <clears throat> what you're describing, Aruna, is uh, is a very common practice in, amongst people, and it's one of the reasons. Uh, uh, that so many negative things show up in people's lives because we become what we think about. And I know that uh, that's a hard concept to get across. Um, but I think your husband uh, will get, ultimately will get to this. But the best way that you can deal with it is, uh, is I think, the way that you are handling it. In other words, if he knows that you don't want to hear all the negative possibilities of things that might go wrong, because when you put your attention on what you don't want, you um, you align yourself with the su- universal subconscious mind, which uh, will offer you experiences that match up to what it is that uh, that you are creating in your mind. Your subconscious right. mind. The, the your, your here's your subconscious mind at work. You you picked up the phone, you dialed the number, you uh, you know got up this morning, you uh, t- took care of your baby, you you got dressed, you took a shower. You prepared to to watch the show. All of these things that you did, you didn't you didn't have one conscious thought about them. I mean, you just like <clears throat> on on and on it goes. You just do things. Your your whole life is um, is orchestrated by this uh, subconscious mind that you've trained it to do. It knows how to do all of the things that it's doing. Um, <clears throat> but our subconscious mind also gets get programmed with um, 
with images about what we can't do, about what is wrong, about how terrible the world is, about how uh, how uh, uh, you know how weak we are, how poor we are, how how sick we are, how you know all of these kinds of things as well. And w- w- what you have to do is begin to retrain your subconscious mind and help your husband to do that. And what I would suggest to him is that you say to him, when we go to bed at night <clears throat> and we get into bed, and just before we go off to sleep. Let's put into our subconscious mind, where we're going to marinate now for the next eight hours, let's put into our subconscious mind the things that we want, you know, and act as if they're already true. So that, uh, you know, I am healthy, my daughter is healthy, my, I live in a, you know, in a prosperous world, I, I have a great job, I am content, I, you know, and even if those things aren't true, just begin to say those kinds of things, because your subconscious mind, it, it does, it's very impersonal, it doesn't distinguish between what you are experiencing on a daily basis or what you are feeling, you know, uh, as a result of the way that you uh, choose to think. And just get him to just do that. Just as I say, let's, let's play a little game. You know, when we go off to sleep tonight, let's just say I am. And after the words I am, which are the name of God, you know, I am happy. I am content. I am, I am free of fear and so on. And just begin to practice that because ultimately when you put your attention on what you don't want, uh, your subconscious mind then joins with the universal subconscious mind, God, the creative source of all the universe. And it says, you know, so this is what you want. You want more of, you know, drug addiction and sadness and poverty and so on. And this is how so many people, most, most of us out there don't realize that these thoughts that we have about, uh, you know, the, the uh, disasterizing and the, and the awfulizing about all of the things that are, that are going to happen, are, are ways that we can create it. We may not create exactly the scene that we are thinking about, but we create, we create emotions and energy which match up to those things that we call fear. And in The Course in Miracles, it says there is only two emotions that you have to deal with. There's fear and there is love. Your husband is living in fear. And fear is really, you know, and The Course also says that everything that is fear cannot be love. And everything that is love cannot be fear and love right. love is just like contentment love is god i mean that's that's right out of the new testament it's right out of the bhagavad-gita it's in all of the great spiritual texts god is love god is love i mean and and so you know you don't want to be living in that fear because when you're in fear there is no love there there's there's you know god god doesn't say i am afraid god says mm-hmm. i am content i am prosperous i am i am the way i am the right. truth now, i am the light now this is this is it's, it's it's a process and like um, but it's it's just I mean I've, we've had this conversation many times and my thing is that while I'm going through it and while he's sitting and talking to me I I really I mean I, I want to hear him out but it's just you know it gets to me and I understand we will and I'm going to get him to listen to the show and and things like yeah, that yeah I but, think that but but more than that when he says uh, I am afraid that our child is going to become a drug addict all you have to say in response to that is. Uh, I see our child as uh, living a life of well-being. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.